My goodness, that's fun, isn't it? I really like that a lot. I didn't even know a guitar could be played like that. And that is always a good time. We appreciate Jerry and uh, him being around here at Christmas and, and all year in Timberline Old Town and a part of that. But Merry Christmas, a little early. Hope you're doing well. You having fun so far? Okay, that's a good thing. I, it's it's uh, going to go by fast. I know it. How many of you, it feels like about three months ago was Christmas? Yeah, it's just crazy how fast it comes and goes and, and all of that. So breathe it in, enjoy it, sing the songs, and eat the cookies. <laughs> right? That's what you got to do. Breathe it all in. That's really fun. Hey, I am so excited about Christmas Eve. I know Pastor Jason mentioned it, but bring the family, bring the kids. It's just really a great time, about a 30-minute service, so we don't trap you in here. It's just great, and the candles are going to go up, and I just can't wait. So make it a priority this year. It'll be a great time. I, I, I know that there are so many decisions to make at Christmas time, and I've called this message Christmas Choices because of that. And I want to talk to you about some of the choices that God made, and some of the choices that Joseph made, and Mary made, and all of the people around Christmas, it was filled with decisions. And it's fascinating to me, because I started thinking in my own life, like, how we, we all make decisions every day, every month, but in December, we have extra decisions to make. Do you realize this? Like, for instance, gifts, who, who you buy a gift for, who you don't. Um, how many of you have someone it's really hard to buy for? It's just tough, and it's got you stumped, and you're not sure. Like, for instance, what should you buy your pastor? I mean, that's just... <laughs> that's a tough one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but we, we all have that. You think of the food at Christmas. You know, are you going to do a turkey or a ham or neither or both? or What what does that entail? Do you think of the, the cookies you're baking and how many and then the people? I mean, who are you going to be with? Is it the people you want to be with or you have to be with? It's, it's a decision. <laughs> yeah. so don't look around right now. Don't poke anybody. You, you start thinking about parties and, and your office party and on and on. And, and it, you know, it just, there's all these decisions that you have to make. Budget's a huge one. Financially, if you, if you haven't planned, and am I going to put anything on a credit card, nothing on a credit card? It, was, it, just, it goes on and on, and it just filled uh, travel. Are we going to go somewhere? We stay at home. Lots of decisions. And it's no different. Way back when all this started, God had to make a decision. God had to make a decision about his people, the people he created. Will, will he let them just continue to wander around doing their stuff? Or will he provide a way for them to have eternal life with him through his son being born on this earth, dying on the cross, and coming back alive on the third day? How many of you would say that's a big decision? That's a big decision. And, and so what I want to do is I just want to look at the story, Luke chapter 2, if you have a Bible. And uh, I've, I've put, I think, all these points on the back of your bulletin. If you have a bulletin, turn it over. Follow along. Write some things down. And not just what I give you to write down, but maybe other things that you're prompted to think about a little bit uh, today. But, but the first question that I want to start with is this. How will I respond to the demands? We, we all respond. Sometimes we like to respond out of, out of choice that we have because we want to or we choose to. But sometimes demands on us 
force us to respond in a certain way. Now, let me just read from you, uh, for you Luke chapter 2, a few verses. And, and I want to talk about this demand, because this wasn't a, uh, a maybe if you feel like it. Look at verse 1 of Luke 2. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. Now, I might just say, that wasn't, if you felt like it, that was, you will do this. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, all because of one man, his name is Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor. His first name was actually Octavianus. And he was the nephew of the famous Julius Caesar. After Julius died, um, Caesar became, Augustus became uh, the emperor. And he took the name Augustus, which August means honorable, respectable. He gave himself that, that name. Isn't that nice of him? Um, and he actually changed one of the months of the year from Sestiles, it used to be called, to August. That's how we have the, the name August. And, and so just because he's the emperor, he makes a decree that everyone's going to go to their hometown, their ancestral home, and they're going to register. This wasn't necessarily a tax that they had to pay, but it was, in fact, setting them up to pay a tax later on. They were going to register their family, the names, the household, the herds that they had, cattle, sheep, property lines. All this stuff was a big census. They had no choice. Rome said, we want to know, we're going to know, and that's it. We have a similar thing that you'll relate to immediately when I say this. April 15th. You see, you don't have to want to or like it, but you don't have the choice. And when we are forced into doing something, it does a lot of things psychologically to us. I think this all starts when we're kids, really. And you're sitting at the table and your parents say something like, you will not leave the table until those Brussels sprouts have been eaten. (laughs) Right? And as a kid, you know those Brussels sprouts are evil. They are not of God, and you just refuse. But then you decide you really want to get up from the table. And so you work a deal with your parents, and it all works out. But that's usually what happens. The idea is that that you sometimes are in situations in your life where you're forced to do something. And Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem. Here's the problem. They lived in Nazareth. Nazareth is 60-plus miles away. No trains, automobiles, or airplanes. They were going to walk or ride an animal. And I think sometimes, in the scheme of things, they had to have had this thought, Joseph and Mary, why now? Why did all of this happen at the same time? We'll talk in a minute that Mary's nine months pregnant. It's not the best timing, and yet they had no option. That's what I want you to see. What does God have to do at times in our lives to get us to Bethlehem? I don't mean physical Bethlehem. I mean that place He needs us to be that is not in our plan. Because there was a prophecy that said, 
the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Joseph didn't know that. Mary didn't know that. Who knew that? God knew that. Is it possible that God knows stuff you don't know? Is it possible that God has a bigger plan, a bigger scheme than what you know? And our inconvenience can sometimes be worked into the perfect will of God? That's the kind of God I serve. It's amazing. And it's, it's a challenge. Because we don't accept these changes, these have-tos in our lives very well. We resist it. And yet, did God put it on Augustus's heart to say, why don't you have a, a census taken? Why don't you do it this time of year because, you know, Mary's going to be nine months pregnant. And... Did God do that? I don't know. Somehow God works in ways that we cannot fully see or comprehend. But if we surrender our lives to Him... He can make good out of the bad and the ugly and the the stuff we would never choose in our lives. I love this about God. God may, in fact, use the challenges in your life right now to advance His kingdom in a way you could never figure it out. Just be, be open to that thought as we walk through the rest of this story. Okay. The second thing in your outline I hope you'll write down is this. Will I trust God when it's difficult? Yes, there are demands. Am I going to be determined in those times? But will I still trust Him when it's not what I had hoped? Or I, I, I am disappointed? I'm challenged. Look at verse 5. Joseph took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now, I love this, obviously, say that with me, obviously pregnant. What does that mean, ladies? What does that mean? Obviously means, you know, you're not going to hide it with a cute top, right? It's not going to work. It means there is no way of getting around it. She's pregnant. Everyone knows it. And it's not comfortable. And we've got to do what, Joseph? Why in the world do you have to go to Bethlehem? Why couldn't have this happened last year or the year after? Why is it now? And there's nothing in Scripture that says she complained, by the way. It's very disheartening. Or Joseph, were Joseph and Mary in the will of God, the perfect will of God with their lives at this point? Yeah, they were. She had been obedient. Joseph had been obedient. And where is God? Where, why, why now? I mean, it seems to me that God would kind of sweep down to, to Mary's house with a little chariot and uh, pick her up, and suddenly they land at the Ritz there in Bethlehem. And there's the sweet, this is the Son of God about to be born. I mean, they're doing big stuff here. We're talking about it 2,000 years later. God, where are you? Don't you care in my suffering? Don't you know I've got to walk 60 miles? Don't you know this is not comfortable? How many have ever prayed this prayer? See, it's, it's a really big thing. There's not one moment in this story, and I have searched, to find a little bit of of pity party or why me or oh this is awful and Joseph or Mary because pity self-pity takes away your future when you feel sorry for yourself and you just kind of collapse around and no one remembered me and no one cared and how come no one's thinking about this like I am on and on and on it goes I love this this idea that I heard someone say one time when you have a pity party Satan brings the balloons cake and ice cream 
It's true. They believed that God was in charge even though it was difficult. Some of you are smack dab in the will of God and life is difficult. That doesn't mean you get all ticked off at God and question Him and His purpose. It means that you submit further. You surrender into His arms and you say, God, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. But I trust you. I think Joseph had moments when he just had to say, God, I trust you. I don't get it. This is not what I I would have chosen. But we're here now, and we're going to do the best we can, which is number three. And I think this is a really important point. Will I determine to do the best that I can do? Will I make a willful decision to do the best I can? And I need to say this. That doesn't mean the best that can be done, maybe by someone else. Because how many of you know someone else might be able to do something better than you? You might be able to do something better than them. We don't all have the same gifts or talents. But but I can always do the best that I am capable of doing. Now look at verse 7 and it will illustrate this. She gave birth to her first son, a child. uh, A first child, a son. I think this was the best she could do and she's happy so far. But look at the next statement. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. You think that's her first choice? I don't. I think that's to, that happens to be what's what's handy. They probably knew coming to Bethlehem, her time could come. So they, they had some time to prepare, obviously. But I have a feeling they had a real nice blanket back in Nazareth at their place that they could have used. You know what I mean by this? But it's the best they had. It's the best she could do. And then they laid him in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's an animal feeding trough. That's what it is. Do you think that was her first choice? No, but it's the best that they could do. See, sometimes in life, we we don't get to choose all the equipment we have or the talent we have or the gifts. We just have to do the best we can with the situation we're in because there was no lodging available for them. Now, that is sad. I'm still working through this with God. They come up to the inn. And it's full. They can't get in. And they end up, most scholars believe, Bethlehem is all kinds of like nooks and crannies and rock on the hillsides. And there's lots of little caves, indentations. They ended up in a cave somewhere, in a dirty cave on the side of a hill. Is that their first choice? No. It's the best they could do. And I really think God looks at this. I think that God looks at our hearts, our talents, our abilities, and He measures us by, are they giving it their all? Are they fully committed to the stuff that I'm calling them to do? Are they willing to go all out to give 110%? God sees that in Joseph and Mary. It's powerful. We're comfortable with doing our best in the perfect environment, aren't we? You know, if I said to Jerry Palmer, here's his guitar over here. If I said, uh, well, how many of you think it's best if I don't touch this? I just felt like a discernment when I walked over to that guitar. Why is that? You know, any of you who play an instrument, you choose that instrument and you've fine-tuned it to play that. If I had a, a guitar I got at a garage sale and I brought it up here and I said, here, Jerry, play this one, make it sound like that one. 
Well, he could still play it really well, but I guarantee you he would not be as comfortable with the way it felt in his hands, the thickness, the, all the stuff that he's so used to. He's accustomed to excellence on that tool. That's what happens to us in our lives. And then when we don't have those things we're used to, we just sort of say, well, God, I just can't do that now. Well, guess what? Joseph and Mary just had to say, I'll, do the, I'll give you my best. And it might not be the, as good as someone else's, but I will give you my best. You guys, that's, that's a wonderful way to live your life before God. And to be thrilled with the things you have. I love this quote. I'll talk about it more in the next few weeks when we go into the new year. But it's, it said this, success is wanting what you already have. There's a lot of power in that. Because a lot of people, all they want is more or something different. Even in relationships. But it's very successful to actually want what you already have. I like that. Okay, let's move on. Number four. What will I choose to remember? Now, this is a place in the message where I've, I've really, um, I've, I've, I've just had thought a lot about this. And I'm, I'm just going to throw it out for you to help me. Verse 15 is the, the section where we talked last week about the shepherds. So I'm going to read that. And then there's one verse that we're going to hitchhike uh, uh, or camp out for a moment. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Here we go. Here's the verse. But Mary kept. That's a, it's an interesting word. Pondered. King James means to rethink and rethink and to, to, to continually keep in your mind. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Now, in light of what we've just said, Luke is telling us this about Mary. I ask you this question. You figure this out. If you have thoughts, email them to me. What was it that she kept in her heart? What were the memories? What were the thoughts that she was pondering? It doesn't say. It just says she kept all these things in her heart. Well, that's huge because what you choose to keep in your memory bank will either set you free or hold you captive for the rest of your life. Do you realize that? Say, what do you mean? Oh, let me explain it. Is she thinking, is she pondering this list? I made, a, I made a list. I'm a list maker. Here we go. Is she thinking this? Yeah, I'm pondering that I got pregnant without a husband. The ridicule I've been through. Thanks, God. Joseph almost breaking up the, with me and canceling the engagement because he did not believe her. Read the story. He did not believe. You know, I can't imagine why she comes to him and says, I've never been with a man, but the Holy Spirit conceived in me. I'm pregnant. We're going to have a baby. What's the big deal? Can you believe he wouldn't believe a story like that? But God gave him a dream. Talk about that in a second. Was she thinking about the long trip to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant? God, where are you? All I did was say yes, and this is what I get. Nine months traveling. No room here to stay. I get here, I make the trip, and there's not even a place. You said this was the Messiah? This was your son, and we're in a cave? Are you kidding? Is that what she's pondering? Is she pondering that, that her promised baby is, is going to just be pushed aside and discarded? 
Was she thinking angelic choirs would continue to be with her? Laying him in a feeding trough? Is this what she had in mind? I don't think that's what she pondered. But she could have. Because I meet people all the time. They can tell you the details of what happened 12 years ago. And what someone said to them that hurt their feelings and they've never spoken to them since. I can mark in people's life the moment death happened. Mental, emotional, relational death. Why? Because they chose to ponder on the wrong things. Or, does this scripture mean what I think it means? Is that she pondered on this visiting angel giving her God's promise of a Messiah to be born through her. Is she pondering on the wonder of a man like Joseph who God would give a dream to so that he could fully embrace and protect and encourage her in the ridicule? Is she thinking about the trust in God that that she took a journey to Bethlehem not knowing fully the purpose or what would happen? Is she thinking about the amazing story of the shepherds and how they show up at the cave and they tell the story about how they found it and why and what the angel had said? Is she thinking about the full knowledge in her life that this child, Jesus, was the Messiah that would save people from their sin? I think she's thinking about that, don't you? She's pondering, rethinking these things. You ever relive an argument with your spouse? You ever choose to think about things that your kids or your parents or someone did? You ever choose to think about that co-worker that they weren't as thoughtful as they could have been? See, here's, here's the deal. Today's a good day. Christmas is a good time for you to come to God and say, clean my mind. Teach me how I'm seeing the glass half empty instead of half full. Talk about Joseph and Mary. I mean, they they like saw a cup of water and built a Trevi fountain. That's what they did. Why? Because they had faith in God and they fully believed Him. I put some observations. These are really quick. I'm just going to have you jot them down. and Maybe just think about them over this week. This story shows me that, number one, life is not always easy. I know that's a buzz phrase. We say it often, but it's worth writing down because it's true. Life is not always easy. But I will still do what God asks me to do. I've, I've heard people say, you know, once I accepted Christ, or they try to tell others, once you accept Christ in your life, they make it sound like God rolls out a red carpet and everything is bliss from there on out. And it's not true. You can still go through incredible trial and issues and rejection and pain and be fully committed to God and Him fully committed to you. Why? Because this is not heaven. This is the earth. This is where fallen man lives. And there's sin here. And there's hate here. And there are issues here. And you and I are called to a higher purpose than that. And until the Lord comes and takes us out of this world, we will be a part of it. And we will feel the wrath of its pain and its rejection. So we have to make a decision to know, I know life won't always be easy. My expectations will not be that. But I will trust God when it's not easy. The second thing that's an observation of this story is that my choices, in fact, determine my future. I've thought through this story so many angles. Matter of fact, this is my 25th Christmas sermon. 
here at Timberline. So it's a, it's a, no, that's not worth clapping. It's just, thank, I clap for you is how patient you have been. Um, but it's amazing how year after year after year, and you look at this story, and this is something that I just tore it all up. Every passage in the Bible that deals with, with Christmas. And I just started asking this question. What if someone had said no? What if Mary would have said thanks but no thanks? What if Joseph would have said the dream wasn't good enough? That was just a nightmare. What if? I mean, all, the what ifs go on and on and on. And it's and it shown me that my choices made one decision at a time creates a lifetime of either reward or turmoil. And that little decision that you make about holding that angst or about judging that person or holding something, and that, that affects you a year from now. It affects your health. It affects your ability to cope and move on and advance in the ways that God wants you to. I'm so thankful today that Joseph and Mary made really good decisions one at a time. The third observation is that God has a long-term plan, not a short-term fix. Okay, now, I don't like this point because I like to fix things quickly. If, if like Bonnie and I, it's my wife, if she, and, and she, if she were here, and she's been here this weekend, but if you could talk to her right now, and, and she would so say, this is so true. Sometimes she'll say, dear, I need to talk to you about some stuff. And, and we'll all sit down and, and we'll talk and, and, um. And I've learned, I've learned the good husband skills and putting the paper down and putting my phone down and putting all that down, you know, and really, really, you know, making sure you have eye contact and they really must believe you're engaging in what they're saying. And so I, I make that happen. I get that. Um, okay. Okay. But, but even with all those skills I have acquired, um, through the years, there are moments when, um, she tells me she lays her heart out the things she's facing, the things she's walking through. And I immediately go into this mode that's kind of like, honey, there's just two or three things I think would really help this. You know, the first thing would be if you did it. And the second thing, and she's like, she doesn't do that actually, but I can tell by the, by the look that she's not wanting me to fix it. She just wants me to hear her. She just wants me to care. And she doesn't really, it doesn't matter if I fix it or not. Ladies, how many of you know what I'm talking about here? Okay, it's really important, guys, that we get this because we don't. Because usually we can say, I can handle this in five minutes. If you'll follow this plan, this will be done. (laughs) What's the bottom line? Get to it. Okay, you've said that three times now. Let's move on. No. See, when I think of that and I think of God... This blows me away, what I'm about to share with you. I don't know that I've ever fully understood this. God, in heaven, with Jesus and the Spirit, back in the garden, in Genesis, it says, let us make man in our own image. Jesus was there. There comes this moment when God says, I have a plan. Son, would you go to the earth and would you go into a womb and be born? Would you put on on skin? Would you limit your activity and your motor skills? I know you're used to this. But could you just become a person being fully God? What was that like? And he's confined to this little womb? For nine months he's in this womb. He's fully God. Did he know? Here's a question. Did he know he's in the womb? He's like... Dude, this is going to take forever. <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck 
working here. I'm, I'm, I'm omnipotent. I'm omniscient. I'm everywhere. And here I am. Nine months. You guys, if I'm God and I want to save the world, it's just going to be boom. It comes to earth and you can take it or leave it, but it's an event. But no, God is interested in a long-term plan. And Jesus is confined to little arms and development and, and he's coming out of a womb and he's learning to walk and he has to, has to go through disappointment and rejection and, and fear and issues like humanity. And he's 30 years before he launches his ministry. 30 years. What is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. He needed to feel all the feelings you feel. So that that Hebrews writer would be correct to say, we have a priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We have a God who knows our pain who knows our disappointment, who deals with our issues, who is not afraid of sorrow. And when you come to your God, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He can say, I know. He's interested in the long-term picture, not just a short-term fix. Why? Because character and integrity are the things He cares about most. Last thing. We must never lose hope. Never lose hope. Some of you are close. The issues in your life, this is a story that teaches us to have hope. That God had a plan that we could not see. That God does stuff that we're unaware of. And even through the midst of the storms that we're in today, there is a God who loves us. Why? Keep this in mind. He came to us. We didn't go to Him. You don't find the Lord. (laughs) He finds you. He chases you down. He seeks you out. Why? Because He's God. Don't ever lose hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for moments like this where we can just really reflect about who You are and what You're doing in our lives. It's powerful. We yield today. We surrender today. The stuff in our lives that sometimes we have a hard time surrendering. I just ask you to help us in this moment, God. To be really honest. To be courageous. With heads bowed in these rooms. And those of you in the South, I just, I just want you to really make a decision today. To, to think through this idea of hope. And I'm not going to just say raise your hand if you've lost hope because you wouldn't be here if you completely lost hope. The idea is, which path are you on? And some of you are going through... I've been, I've been there. I've been there when I'm on a path where I'm, I'm losing hope and I, I don't like it. It's a terrible feeling and I'm, I'm kind of trying to run back to God. But would you just acknowledge it to say, I'm, I don't know what else to do in this situation. Or It could be the economy. It could be relationship, family, people that you know. There, there are issues. You don't know what else to do. And it bugs you. And there is a, sometimes a hopeless feeling in it. Just hold your hand up and let me pray over you if that's you. And both auditors, you can put them right back down. I'm not counting. It's, it's really about you just acknowledging it to God. And 
For those of you who maybe didn't raise your hand, but you know that resonates true, let me just pray over you. Church, help me pray for these. Just right there where you're seated, would you just pray with me? Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters, for this family. This this moment is very important, that, that you would be the God of hope. That we can recognize that we don't know why we're in Bethlehem right now. It's not where we want to be. We're forced there. We had no choice. It's not comfortable. Nothing's gone right. But you're here. And there was a purpose in it all that we couldn't foresee. So teach us to hold on to your hand, if nothing else, and to walk through the valleys that we might see the mountain again. I pray for these, Lord. Be strong in them. Be strong in them. Secondly, I just want to pray for those of you that would say, I really need prayer over my mind. What am I pondering on? What am I holding on to? How can God release me of memories that keep me with an angst or embittered or or not reaching my fullest potential? I've given up my future because of what you're thinking about, what you're choosing to remember. It could be the most powerful thing we do today. Lord, I pray. I pray for those who need to be empowered by your Spirit, to take a hold of the thoughts in their mind. Thank you that Mary pondered on these miracles. I believe she pondered on the greatness of God, the complexity of God, and yet the simplicity of it. Show us, Lord, how to let go of those things that hold us back. Teach us today to trust you this Christmas. And lastly, Lord, I pray for those in these auditoriums that might really not be connected to you personally. Show them right now you have come to them today in this moment. And that they can, by faith, say, Lord, I believe you've come to me. Forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from those things that separate me from you. I trust you. We give you the glory for these things, Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Really proud of you, your heart. I hope you have the best week ever. I really do. And we're going to continue our worship right now through giving, uh, giving through Timberline. And I know it's sort of year in giving and all the stuff that happens. And I just want to say thank you for helping us to be a great year at Timberline. And the challenges are real. I know it for many of you looking for work. God bless you. We'll keep praying for you. And uh, ushers, would you come at this time? And, uh, God bless you as you give. If you're a guest with us, we don't expect you to give in this offering at all. Just be our guest. Drop the communication card in as it goes by. And uh, this is for those who have caught the vision of giving through Timberline. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have just to worship as stewards of the blessing of God. And thank you for that blessing. We give with joy. Out of choice, we give in your name. Amen. Jerry, I have this guitar I got at a garage sale over here that I'd like for you to... (laughs) Just kidding. Enjoy this.
Thank you, Jerry. That's wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. And I encourage you to take his music home with you. He's going to be back at a, a table, and uh, it's a great, a great experience. Would you stand with me if you're able to do so for a final prayer before we walk out of here? Just want to pray that we will be the light in darkness. You know, there is a lot of darkness in our world today. And um, this week you're going to have opportunity to hold the door open for someone or to let them get ahead of you in traffic or to, uh, you know, in honor prefer one another and all the little things that can separate our lifestyle from someone else's. And I just encourage you to think about that. Start it at home with the people that love you and you love. And uh, let's be those people first. And let's let God be the God of Christmas personally in our lives. Lord, I pray this over us. That your sweet spirit, that your kindness, that your grace will fill every home in this room. Lord, let it be a special week where we're, we're, we're contemplative about the things of God. Lord, we choose to ponder on and remember. Help good discussions to happen in order for health to be in each home. Lord, I pray that as we go out from our homes into these communities, that we will be light where there is darkness and that we will make a difference. And thank you finally, Lord Jesus, for finding us, for coming to this earth, for becoming a man and fully God. We are grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. If our prayer teams would come in both auditoriums, if you want someone to pray with, come on up and do that. Otherwise, remember, the service starts now.